This is Emily Wright and I am joined today by Jeremy Dalton, VR and AR lead at PwC UK. This is the second in a series of podcast interviews for the Tomorrow Fair and the Tomorrow Talks. Hello Jeremy. Hi Emily, pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. I'm going to start off with a, with a pretty simple question that I can imagine has a relatively complex answer, which is VR and AR. I think most people would know that VR stands for virtual reality, but could you just explain a bit about what VR and AR stand for and what they actually mean and why they're different? Sure. So VR is virtual reality, as you mentioned, and it is all about immersion. So the idea is that you're usually accessing fictional worlds via a head-mounted display, an HMD, and you are disconnected from reality. Inside virtual reality, you're able to look around, uh, you're able to interact in a lot of cases, sometimes with your own hands. Um, You're able to, in some cases, walk around that virtual world. Now, that's all about immersion. Augmented reality, or AR, is about information. So probably the most famous example is uh, the now defunct Google Glass experiment. Um, the idea is you had a what looked like a pair of glasses, um, and we're also seeing this with the Microsoft HoloLens to a more uh, corporate or enterprise level. Uh, but generally the idea is you access this via a head-mounted display, you have a pane of glass in front of your face, you're still in reality, but there is an overlay of information on the real world that contextualizes it and provides you with more Um, information to to help you out in some way and to help you either to solve problems you know it could be trying to change the oil in your in your car Um, it could be as technical as a jet engine engineer trying to um, to to make his make his or her way through an understanding of the electronic components Um, so anything or it could be as simple as where is the the nearest pub so it's, it has a lot of um, benefits, but ultimately is about providing information on the real world. And virtual reality, when we're talking about the future, and we're talking about technology, it seems that virtual reality is something that is a vague concept, at least. People get it. I mean, they, they understand it at a very, very sort of um, simple level. You know, it's been in films, it's very futuristic sounding, but it is something that people understand. But... For everything that you know, you've been saying and that we've been hearing about it, it goes to depths that I cannot imagine anyone would, other than experts, would anyone would even imagine. Things like you know the experience of climbing Everest, whatever that might be. So, could you explain a little bit about exactly where we are with virtual reality now and where, and where we could go next? I think the best way of trying to bring that to life is by giving you a somewhat objective answer, in my opinion, as to what effect virtual reality has on a large portion of the population. So you can put someone, and there are many examples of this online on YouTube, some of the videos are are quite amusing, you can put someone in virtual reality and you can land them on top of a skyscraper and ask them to walk across a thin plank of wood that extends about 500, 700 meters up in the air with nothing else on either side of them except the the word of the traffic below. And you can see at that point genuine fear, um, not in their eyes because it's covered by a a head-mounted display, but in the trembling of their legs as they try to avoid falling off this thin plank of wood. And logically they know that they are not in any danger whatsoever. They've seen the room they're in, they know it's not going to change in the next few minutes, but there is a genuine fear there. And that is the strength of virtual reality, and that is where we are right now, where VR has the ability to invoke this emotional response in people 
despite the, the logical reaction to it. And in terms of where it's going, I think VR at the moment is, is the worst it will ever be. So we can only go, we can only improve from here. And if that's the stage we're at right now, we can only expect greater levels of immersion and greater levels of productivity when it starts bring, being brought into the enterprise and corporate space. And that's interesting because everything that you've set up until now, it sounds incredible. But there's a question, so, so why are we doing it? What's the be- Other than to experience something you've never experienced. But what are the benefits of this? And, and specifically, what are the commercial benefits of this? So let me tackle that question by looking at it in two ways. On the personal side of things, virtual reality is a new medium. And that means that is incredibly powerful for the entertainment space, uh, for the video gaming space, and those are the the, um, areas that that VR has a perception of only being involved in. So we all know there's great potential there. The other side of it, the corporate or enterprise space, there is also incredible potential, a little bit less obvious, but if I can try and bring some examples to life through, um, let's talk about a certain industry, for example, like the sports industry, or the live events industry. The biggest problem there is demand and supply. So you want to uh, watch a centre court game at Wimbledon in the front row, so do thousands of other people. But the fact is there's only a limited number of seats. Now how do you open that up to more people, and not only in the local area but around the world, without embarking on a massive development programme to physically change the space? That's where virtual reality comes in. Imagine if we had a virtual reality recording rig in the front row of Wimbledon Centre Court, and that allowed people from all over the world to stream in live and actually be there, in a sense, virtually, through the virtual reality headset and being able to look around at the crowd, at the game that's going on, and choose their view. So that giving them that freedom, rather than following what a broadcaster uh, thinks they want to see, gives them a far greater level of immersion, opens up new revenue streams for the sporting and live events world, and because of the sheer scale of it, having being able to bring in thousands of people through this live stream, it means that um, the, the the ticket prices from a consumer point of view can be relatively nominal, which means a greater accessibility for everyone globally. So it's a win-win situation. It certainly sounds like a win-win situation. It's it's also quite new and different, and we. We all know that people sometimes find change a bit unnerving. So what is the reaction that you're seeing from from enterprise, from companies, from corporations specifically when it comes to VR? Are they embracing it or are they a bit mm, not sure? I'd say at the moment there is there is an interest in VR and there is a desire to learn more about what it could do for the companies that we speak to and the industries that they're involved in. Uh, there isn't a massive investment program that I've been see- that I've seen from any one industry so far, uh, but I would I would caution against waiting for virtual reality to become mainstream to then start looking into making major investments in the space, because by that time 
you will already be on the back foot and it will be too late. We, we always talk about um, companies needing to have an emerging technology strategy. And that not only encompasses virtual reality and augmented reality, but the other eight essential emerging technologies as we identify them, things like artificial intelligence, drones, 3D printing, the Internet of Things, all incredibly important to try and understand right now so as to be prepared for the future when it hits. And how about an industry which is known actually for being quite archaic, which is property? An industry like that, is that sort of speeding up interest do you think i mean we have we, we are seeing a few sort of virtual reality and and ar systems coming into the space but is that sort of a, what you were talking about quite a slow uptake of people saying oh we'll wait we'll wait and see what happens here so the prop tech space has been um surprisingly um amiable to towards vr and ar technologies um, and, and of course you can i'm sure you can see the potential there if you imagine from the point of view of a consumer instead of them having to travel to the four corners of London or, or whatever city it is, them being able to access all of those properties in a 30-minute or one-hour period from the comfort either of their own home or from the real estate agent. And also from the point of view of a consumer who wants to buy property um, or the, um, the owner of a company wants to buy a commercial property that perhaps hasn't even been built yet. Mm. Currently, the only way to do that is either by looking at descriptions of how it's going to look, 2D CG mock-ups of the, the property to be built, um, dimensions perhaps, but all of those don't paint a very strong picture of what that property is going to be like. It's hard to get a sense of scale. But if you use virtual reality, suddenly you have that accessible anywhere and that ability to not only understand the scale of the, the property you're, you're looking to invest or, or buy, but actually to explore it physically, to walk around and go through, enter the, uh, the entrance, go through the hallway, walk to the living room, through the bathroom, get a real sense of what it's going to be like, and also make modifications and customizations on the fly, see what it's like with and without furniture in different arrangements. And I think that will help to, to propel the industry forward when, when customers get that differentiated experience. And moving back then to talking about talking about experience, but talking about experience that you were mentioning of, of walking across that plank or climbing Everest, whatever it might be, what kind of a future do you see where people can can achieve these dreams and goals and things they never thought possible? What do you think the overspill into the real world will be as a result of that? So that's an interesting one. I think virtual reality could very well be used in some sort of way as, um, well, one of the, the strong potentials is in, in training, in learning and development, and that connects directly to the real world. So to contextualize this, provide a real life example, the, the, the utilities engineer that needs to go to a specially prepared site um, to train and understand how to modify that uh, that piping or that those electrical works or whatever it is there are, there's a lot of cost and time involved in that you know bringing an engineer to a site preparing the site coaching them through it bringing them back resetting the site and then timesing that by the the hundreds or the thousands or the tens of thousands of engineers that uh, the company employs there is a lot of benefit there when it comes to connecting to the real life situation because all of a sudden we have virtual reality as a training platform um, from the comfort of your own office anywhere in the world, you can deploy that training at a moment's notice and have those engineers actually interact with their own hands as if they were in that site and then really bring and bring that training to the real world. So I think there's a lot of potential there 
as using that as, as an example. And could you explain a little bit about this idea of virtual reality involving not not just one person that that sounds very interesting yes so uh, this concept is broadly becoming known as social vr um, virtual reality gets some bad press for uh, the perception that it is only a sole pursuit it is about a lone individual going into a world disconnected from reality and that is that is completely wrong because there is a lot of there are a lot of multi-user environments already being created um, Oculus has their own social platform. VTime are are creating theirs. It, even on on the HTC Vive, there's a number of of applications which allow people from all different parts of the world to gather together in a virtual environment. And it could be it could be anything from playing paintball with each other from the comfort of their own living rooms to watching a a video together on the latest financial forecasts, you know, that's what's interesting. It's all about collaboration and being together in an environment um, to, to achieve some sort of goal, whether that's personal or professional. So we're seeing a lot of that come out now and we will see, I guarantee you, we will see more of those applications being created in the future. So virtual reality is definitely not just a sole person pursuit. And this might sound like a slightly pie-in-the-sky question, but then we are talking about the future. In that circumstance where you have social VR, would you get to a stage where you'd need laws for worlds that are not this world? I mean, it opens up a whole new set of questions. So that's a, that's a very interesting one because um, I recently heard uh, a chap speak at, at a, an augmented and virtual reality meetup. And he was investigating just this, the idea of what's going to happen um, or what modifications need to be made to our legal system to take into account virtual worlds. Now, it was a very interesting discussion, and uh, I think it would do it injustice for me to try and summarize it. But some of the concepts that I remember him talking about are around uh, copyrights and trademarking. So, you know, if you take a picture in, in the public space, and, and apologies for the, the lawyers out there if I, if I get this completely wrong, but there is a perception that um, it's, it's public and there's no right to privacy in the public space. Now, how do you define a public space when it comes to virtual reality? And given that in virtual reality, you will have elements that, are, that have been created by people, 3D models, um, uh, skins that fit on those models. And if you're going around taking pictures of those, where does the law lie in terms of who owns those pictures? Is it a public space? Is it not? What about the elements that have been created there? And there are many, many more questions that he posed. And I think it's, it's, it's certainly something that's going, to, uh, that's going to have a lot of questions attached to it for the legal world. Something for the lawyers to think about in 2017 and exactly. beyond. And what would you say, in your opinion anyway, is the most exciting development that you're seeing at the moment in VR? The thing that, even for you, is going to blow your mind? Because, you know, obviously you're dealing with this a lot and you're quite au okay with it, but is there anything that you've seen where you think, I can't, I can't even imagine how that's going to become a reality? So there is one example that I am just certain will become a reality, but equally, I think it's going to be an absolutely incredible reality in the future because it, it, it just affects all industries and it affects the enterprise world as well as our personal lives. And that is the idea of virtual reality teleconferencing. So right now, we have a number of solutions for teleconferencing. I mean, you have, uh, we have video calls that we can make and those those work to some extent to bridge the gap between a phone call and a face-to-face -face meeting. 
but ultimately they are not substitutes for face-to-face -face meetings in a lot of cases. Now I think when we get to this stage of virtual reality conferencing where we can get multiple people in the same room represented by lifelike avatars or, or otherwise, um, being able to talk to each other, uh, make eye contact with each other, see each other's facial expressions, share digital documents with a click of their fingers, modify the environment around them uh, with their hands. When we get to that stage, we will start to see virtual reality take over a lot of face-to-face -face meetings and act as suitable substitutes for them. And if you, if you think about all the industries and applications that applies to, that is an, an incredible future. It certainly sounds an incredible future indeed. And for more on this, you will be joining us at the Design Museum on the 19th of January for the first of our tomorrow talks. And we look forward to seeing you then. Um, and for now, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Emily.